Hey, I've got some exciting news for you. For nearly a decade, the Social Media Marketing Society has been helping marketers like you to keep up with the changing times. This is our private community just for marketers, and the doors are open right now. When you join, you get access to ongoing training and become part of a welcoming community of marketers who are just like you. Learn more at smmarketingsociety.com. Again, smmarketingsociety.com. Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for marketers and for business owners who want to know what works with social media. I am super excited about today's show. We're going to talk about something we've never talked about before. We're going to explore Kickstarter, talk about what it is, talk about how it's transforming the process of funding projects, ideas, and even businesses with Richard Bliss, who's the host of the podcast, Funding the Dream. I'm also going to share a caller question about whether or not it makes sense to delegate social media tasks. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and transition over to that question right now. Deep from within a remote jungle village, here's this week's social media question. Hi, Michael. This is Bill Diamond, and our book website is called FireYourExcuses.com. My co-author and I are having a friendly but passionate debate. He thinks we should delegate much of our social media activities. I think we should continue to build our own online presence in the various social media sites by writing and curating our own content. Can you help us by breaking the tie? What social media tasks should we continue to do ourselves? Thanks for answering our question, and thanks for a great podcast. Thank you, Bill. So uh, it's a great question, and I know it's one that a lot of people struggle with. And I think the best way to answer the question is to go ahead and defer to some of the research. Uh, In 2012, we, we released the Social Media Marketing Industry Report, which was a survey of over 3,000 marketers. And we focused on the concept of social media outsourcing, another way of saying delegating social tasks. And surprisingly, only 70%, uh, well, actually, not only, only 30% were delegating their social tasks. 70% were not. And here's here's the interesting take on all this. Uh, Those that are delegating their social tasks of the total pie, 20% of them are delegating design and development tasks. This is stuff like uh, designing Twitter and Facebook, you know, graphics. Um, And then it jumps down to only 11% at analytics. And then at content creation, it's only 10%. So what this means is 90% are not outsourcing the creation of content. And then when you get way down into the weeds here, Um, Status updates are only 6% are being delegated, which means 94% are not. So what does this mean to you, Bill? I think what it means to you is that if you want to be like a lot of the other marketers that are out there, you probably should not delegate the creation of content, and you probably should not delegate a lot of the social updates that you would do. And I think adding my two cents in here, logically it makes sense for you as a book author Uh, Myself, 
I can relate to the reasons why we write books. We often write books to try to build relationships that might lead to speaking gigs or might lead to um, someone purchasing some of the other services and products that you have. And the risk of outsourcing such an important um, component when you are releasing a book, I think is far too high. So if I were you, I would not consider outsourcing it, Bill. I hope um, that answers your question. That's just my opinion. I know others may have their own opinions on this, and I would encourage folks to uh, add their thoughts on this in our show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 33. Now, if you're listening, <coughs> listening right now and you have a social media question or a social media marketing question that you would like to be considered for a future episode of our podcast, you can go ahead and submit your questions by voice at socialmediaexaminer.com slash voicemail. I was recently at Social Media Marketing World and I had a chance to connect with some of our best customers. A lot of them listen to our podcast, just like you do. Not everyone knows what I'm about to share with you. We do something special here at Social Media Examiner. The best of the best of the guests that you hear on the Social Media Marketing Podcast not only teach at our conference, but they're also part of our secret society called the Social Media Marketing Society. Each month, our top-tier guests who have been on my show, are invited to train inside our society for an exclusive group of marketers who are just like you. The training is designed to help you go from being a passive consumer of content to a marketer who is in active learning mode. So if you're ready to make real progress with your marketing, you're a perfect fit for the Social Media Marketing Society. Join us by visiting smmarketingsociety.com. We've got a really big sale that is ending very soon, so don't delay. Again, visit smmarketingsociety.com and join today. With that, let's transition over to today's expert interview. Helping you simplify your social safari, here's this week's expert guide. I am very excited to be joined today by Richard Bliss. If you don't know who Richard is, he's the host of a great podcast called Funding the Dream on Kickstarter, and he also blogs over at richardblissblog.com, and Richard is a coach and consultant on crowdfunding, and today we're going to talk about Kickstarter. Richard, welcome to the show. Michael, my, my pleasure to be here. I'm thrilled. So today, Richard and I are going to explore Kickstarter and how it may be helpful for your business or for special projects that you're doing. So Richard, let's start by describing Kickstarter in a way that your mom or your uncle would understand? You know, uh, which I end up doing a lot of, by the way. Uh, Kickstarter, crowdfunding, you know, it's something that we're all familiar with. We just, it's just, it's a new phenomenon that we're all familiar with. And here's what I mean by that, is when I explain Kickstarter or crowdfunding, I, it's a, it's, there's two ways to describe it. One, every Sunday, we're all familiar with crowdfunding because if you go to church and they pass around the plate, that's the idea. Uh, and you're sharing the crowd is helping fund an idea, a passion or something that mm -hmm. they all like to get more of. If that doesn't work, you just tell them it's a magical place where you go and put up your idea and people f give you money for free. Well, that's another way of explaining it. Um, but it is, it's, I got a good idea. I need some money to realize it. Please help back my project. It's very public radio, public television-esque in its, uh, in its approach. You know, um, I'm kind of new to Kickstarter 
I mean, I, first of all, how long has Kickstarter been around? It's about to hit April. I think it'll be four years. So it's it's a very new phenomenon for most people still, even though it's been around four years, just like Twitter took years, you know, before it kind of hit mainstream. It seems like Kickstarter is kind of beginning to hit mainstream. Um, for the entrepreneur who's listening right now or the marketer who's listening now, why do they need to pay attention to Kickstarter? They need to pay attention to Kickstarter because it is another thing that is totally changing the rules of how we think about money. And so what I mean by that is, is that traditionally so many of us have been, my podcast is called Funding the Dream. And I picked that, num- that name because oftentimes when we come to trying to realize our dreams, whatever that dream might be, starting a business, uh, writing a book about my grandmother, uh, whatever, oftentimes it's money that has been the number one block in our heads mentally that says, oh, I can't do this until I get this amount of money. And what crowdfunding and Kickstarter has done is said, look, let's suppose we made the money go away. Now what would you do? And so if you have an idea for a game or a podcast, excuse me, a project or something for a, uh, an iPhone or whatever, a documentary, you put it out there and Kickstarter allows you to go find like-minded people who want to see you succeed because they like what you're doing. You know, recent, we're, we're going to get into this, but recently, for example, a, a woman wanted to do a bike tour through New Zealand taking video and photographs and she needed $2,400 to pay for the airfare and everything. Mm. She put it up there and people gave her money so she could go to New Zealand. And and, and that's kind of crazy, but it's, we just, we buy into people's passion. Okay. So how is this any different than Kiva that's been around for a while? Do you familiar with Kiva? So go ahead. Tell, well, tell I think Ki- I think Kiva is, uh, if I've got it right, is one of these organizations where you donate money to causes, for example, yes. um, and you just get behind the cause. Like, for example, uh, someone in Africa who wants to start a farm or something like that. Right? Is it Here's the same the, concept? No. Uh, yes and no. One, it's an idea. Everybody's getting together. The crowd is providing money to achieve it. Here's what makes Kickstarter different. Kickstarter said, look, we're not into causes, we're not into political campaigns, we're not into charities, we're not into funding businesses, we're not into equity. Kickstarter said, we're into one thing, and that is if you have an idea that's a project, it has a beginning, an end, and a deliverable, we will help you fund that project. And that deliverable doesn't necessarily have to be a widget it can be an experience. Like for this woman going to New Zealand, the project was a beginning and an end, and there's a deliverable at the end. Uh, Maybe she's doing a documentary or some photos or something. The difference there between Kiva and so so many other, um, like causes.com and so many of these other sites is is that Kickstarter does not allow you to put a project up there that is an ongoing maintenance or ongoing funding of research or a a humanitarian. So it's very defined, very clearly defined. And it started in film and music. Uh, basically, the founders of Kickstarter wanted a way to help a couple of friends that had a CD get that CD made and who had a film, a documentary, and get that documentary made. And so they put this little platform together to find people who might be interested in seeing that documentary be made who are willing to donate money to make sure it happened. Okay, so let's let's go through a couple of case examples of the kinds of people that are, are using Kickstarter beyond the film industry, for example. Okay, so... And just to mention the film industry, a, a, an Academy Award was won by a Kickstarter project this year. Oh, cool. 
first time. So um, Sundance Film Festival, 14 of the Sundance Film Festival projects were Kickstarter-backed. So film is the largest category when it comes to sheer numbers. So lots of films, documentaries, now becoming more and more uh, mainstream films. A lot of CDs. Amanda Palmer made some news because she raised more than a million dollars to fund a CD for her new CD. But Kickstarter has 13 different categories. Food, comics, art, dance, film, uh, games, both video and tabletop games. Uh, so there's this whole wide variety of categories. Publishing, uh, I can go, and then there's 50 subcategories. So you can get pretty specific about, okay, I want to make this. And if you can find enough people who like it, there you go. So th- those, are the cate- those are the categories and the types of projects that are getting put out there. So Richard, let's step back for a second before we get too deep into this and kind of talk to me a little bit about what this is doing, this idea of instead of going to a bank and trying to persuade the bank to give you a loan to do a project, you know, let's, let's talk about what's the transformative thing that's happening here with Kickstarter and crowdfunding in general. And that's the word transform, transform, how'd you say that word? Transformative. (laughs) (laughs) transformative uh, is what's happening. Every time, every one of these Kickstarter uh, categories that gets, catches fire, totally turns everything upside down. And so, for example, um, one of the biggest ones that gets a lot of press and a lot of news is on the technology side. I want to make a, a uh, I, one I just backed. Uh, it's a, it's a uh, case for your iPad that has handles on either side and you can actually screw in a lens and mount microphones and stuff to this case so that I can carry it around as if I'm shooting video with a real video camera. Huh. Well, dang, that's cool. Um, okay, so traditionally, if the guy wanted to do that, a man or a woman wanted to do that, they'd have to go get a business loan and convince somebody that this thing is viable in the marketplace. If I make this, I will sell this many units, and then I will pay back your loan over time because uh, uh, that's how it works. Instead... This person goes to Kickstarter, shows them what, what he's going to make, puts it out on Kickstarter, and then sees if anyone is willing to back him. And if he gets 1,000 backers- Then he paying, makes it. Then he makes it. It totally transforms the money. It moves the money from the back end. Give me some money now, Mr. Bank, so that I can make money and pay you back, to- Give me some money now, fans and believers in what I'm doing, and I will give you the thing back. Huh. And in some regards, this kind of uh, eliminates the need to go, quote unquote, to the shark tank or to the venture capitalist, right, to get the money to be able to make the thing. Because you can go to direct, if you will, to fans to get the money to make the thing. And then you make the thing and you justify that there's demand for the thing before you make it, right? That's right. And let's, let's drive home that point. There is a difference between crowdfunding on Kickstarter and the type of funding that's happening on Shark Tank. And I've had a guest on my show uh, who actually was on Shark Tank. And then they used Kickstarter to actually raise funds, even though they got an offer on Shark Tank. Equity-based crowdfunding versus rewards-based crowdfunding. Equity-based crowdfunding is this new thing that's coming. And it's a, the opportunity for you to sell pieces of your company to the crowd for investment. Reward-based crowdfunding is, is very different. It is, I will give you a thing in exchange for your money. In essence, almost a pre-order system. And that's the difference here is that somebody who's making this camera mount or a book 
or whatever, they're not giving up any control or ownership of their company. They're simply taking your money and then through trust, they're actually using that money then to go make what you told, what you said that you wanted. And then you get the thing. You don't have any claim to their company or anything, but you do have the satisfaction. And this is something that's missed on a lot of people. There's an emotional tie that you can look at this thing in your hand and say, I didn't just buy this thing. You helped, made, you helped build it, right? I made this thing. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's very satisfying to a lot of people who have felt cut out of the of the whole corporate marketing and, and manufacturing uh, world. You know, this is such an interesting thing because I remember, and I may be showing my age here, but I remember when the internet first came out, everybody, you know, in the traditional retail world was freaking out because they were like, uh-oh, you know, what's going to happen to distribution? <laughs> what's going to happen to the middleman? What's going to happen to brick and mortar? And indeed, that's exactly what happened, right? I mean, now you've yeah. got Dell and Apple and everybody else selling direct and also in brick and mortar. And um, this is kind of another one of those major transformative movements, the idea that you can actually be the next Steve Jobs in the garage, tinkering with an idea, stick it up on Kickstarter, get enough money to, to fund the creation of the thing, and then use all that money to obviously a portion of it to fulfill the orders, but also to justify the demand so that if you decide to go to distribution, you can go to them with, hey, we've already sold this many units, right? Exactly. Exactly. And, and, and there's, a, there's another subtle difference there. And that is, you, as you're talking, you're referring to the making of a widget, the Steve Jobs who's going to make this thing. But there's another aspect of Kickstarter and crowdfunding. And that is the, and I've referred to it as a term I coined, the monetization of reputation. Okay. I kickstarted my podcast. Well, what am I going to give people for my podcast? Right? It's a podcast. You do one, I do one. But I kickstarted it and people gave me money. And I can remember asking, and the reason I kickstarted a year ago is that Kickstarter themselves came to me and said, look, Richard, we love your podcast. Go kickstart it. And I'm thinking, why? And I asked some of my backers, why are you giving me money for my podcast? When and you- one of them said, you give, I have great guests. You've been on my show as a great guest. It's one of the most popular episodes we've ever had. And they come and they say, you provide such wonderful information for free that I'm willing to give you money so that you keep giving me information for free. Hmm. And what that does is that starts to transform, like I said, the way we think about money. Am I, am I setting up a patronage? Are they sponsoring? Is it advertised? No. It is you are connecting people who are willing to take, reach into their pocket and hand you money and in exchange it's almost an intangible that you would not have seen there before. And that's what I'm referring to is that I, yeah, I could have waited and bought this widget when it hit the market and distribution, but instead I got an emotional satisfaction and then feedback because I helped it's bringing it to market. Well, and one of the, one of the higher profile, uh, people that did a Kickstarter campaign in the world of marketing is Seth Godin, who I think you had on, on your podcast. I've had him on my podcast and I did ask him about the Kickstarter campaign and he told me that um, from idea to execution was about three days. And he ended up um, getting about $280,000 for the launch of his book, The Icarus Deception. He ended up spending all of that money and then some to um, basically deliver on all the, the things that he promised. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But the big benefit for him was he was able to, to use that demand to help him get a big contract, you know, and, and essentially write his own terms with a traditional publisher. 
And um, now not everybody in the world has the kind of following that Seth has, but you know, he saw it, he tried it. He's, you know, uh, been successful with it. And I'm sure he's just one of 10,000 other stories that are out there. So let's switch this discussion a little bit, Richard. Sure. Sure. Let's go to kind of how it works Um, at a high level. Describe kind of the process of, of um, let's just assume you've already got a campaign up there kind of explain from the, um, the users who are funding the campaign, how all that works. Like, I mean the users, yeah, like you're the user and you bought into somebody's campaign. What do you see as a user and how does that all work? Okay. So I go out to kickstarter.com. I'm browsing through particular categories that I like and I see something I like. Oh, that's cool. And so then I'm like, oh, I want to support this person. And what it'll be, there'll be a video that tell me about the project and there'll be a whole bunch of descriptions about it. And then over on the right are the pledge levels. Hey, if you really like this and you want to pledge $25, this is what you get. $50, this is what you get. $100, this is what you get. And it's so like very PBS-like public funding type thing. You know, you get a hat or you get a mug or whatever. I, I pledge, I give my money. And then what happens is, is that Kickstarter doesn't actually take my money. Kickstarter then hands me off to Amazon and Amazon takes my, well, be careful here. They take my order. They don't take my money. They take my order. Uh, Ah, okay. okay, The reason they don't take my money is because of the way Kickstarter works. It is an all or nothing. So now I go back and I'm watching this project and they're trying to raise $20,000 and I gave them $25. So they do updates and every once in a while I'll get an update telling me the progress that they're making. Hey, we made it to $10,000. Hey, we made it to $15,000. They only have a certain amount of time to do it. Usually it's about 30 days, but you can go all the way up to 60 days and we won't get into it here, but longer is not necessarily better. So let's say it's 30 days. So as we creep up on the end of the 30 days, this project is creeping up on its goal, $20,000. Now it's at $16,000. Now it's at $17,000. At the time the project ends, if they have failed to fund the full amount, every credit card that got put on hold on Amazon gets released. No money is given to anybody. They don't get any. It didn't cost them anything. I'm not charged anything. If they fail to fund, if they fund before the time runs out, then on the moment the time runs out, my credit card, ding, gets dinged the $25 and it gets put into an account that they then receive from Amazon. So what's important here is that you can back a project and if it fails, you're not out anything. And oftentimes, if I back a project and I really like it and it's getting close to not failing, uh, excuse me, not close to not funding, I become an invested advocate for that project. Yeah, I was just going to say that. It's a really brilliant system because it sounds like if you um, buy into it and you want to see it successful, you're probably going to recruit your friends to buy into it too, right? That's correct. And now what's happened is, is that uh, project owners are figuring out ways to incent me to get them to buy in. And that's something called stretch goals. So then they say, okay, if you pay you $25, you're going to get a hat. Okay. But if you pay a hundred dollars, you're going to get a hat, a mug, a copy of the widget. And then any new stuff we add, we'll just toss it in. If you pledge at the hundred dollar level, what does that mean? Well, we need $20,000. Okay. We hit $20,000. Okay. But if we hit $30,000, we'll toss in a towel for free to anybody who pledged at the hundred dollar level. Gotcha. Oh, hey, I want that towel, so I'll go get my friends to keep giving money because we'll hit that higher goal. Oh, we hit 30000 Okay, if we hit $50,000, we're going to toss in 
an umbrella. Oh, I want that umbrella. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm giving kind of silly. Yeah, I, I hear you totally. But uh, they're gamifying this, and you're starting to see some spectacular success with that. Huh. As more and more people come on and more and more money, the fans themselves are realizing that if I get my buddy to, to pledge, I get more stuff. And it's almost like a referral lead reward system. It's quite brilliant. Okay, so now let's flip it over to the side of the funder, the person who's, I mean, the person who's trying to get something funded. Um, okay. uh, once they've essentially, I mean, we'll just walk through kind of what their experience sure. is. I got a great idea. I want to I create a uh, cookbook of fig recipes my grandmother shared with me. I got two fig trees in the back. They fill my yard up with figs every fall, and I just want to do this cookbook that she had. All right, so I go to, I go to Kickstarter. I get myself an account and I create a project and it's going to be called Grandma's Fig Recipes. And I upload a, a short little video showing the fig tree and sh showing Grandma and showing me saying, please give me money. I'm trying to raise $3,000 to publish this cookbook. And it's a short little video, a couple of minutes. I then create some pledge levels. If you give me $25, you get a copy of the book. If you give me $10, I'll send you an ebook. If you give me $100, I'll let you put your recipes into the book. And maybe get an autographed copy. Oh, you'll get an autographed copy. And if you give me $1,000, I'll actually bring the book to your house and I'll sign it right in front of you. Okay, so you lay these out. You then have to get approval from Kickstarter that my project meets their guidelines. Kickstarter is only interested in two things. Do, does your project fit into one of the categories and does it violate any of our guidelines? And that's a, basically a thumbs up and a thumbs down. Does it fit into one of the 13 categories? Publishing. Yep. It's a thumbs up. I didn't do a very good video. They don't care. My pledge levels are, are kind of out of whack. They don't care. You fit into their category. Next is, did I violate any guidelines? And these guidelines are pretty extensive and I can't sell automotive parts. I can't put out their ammunition. I can't do herbal things. I can't do uh, funding for causes and charities. So there's a whole long list. They're going to match me up against, which I don't. This cookbook is just fine, and there's no charity that's benefiting. And they'll say, yes, boom, they've given me now permission. I now have two more things I have to do. I have to link a bank account to Amazon. This can take a week because it's IRS is involved, and so right. it's not hard, but it's involved. And then the last thing I need to do is hit the launch button. I get to pick how many days my project's going to be, how much money I want to raise, what my pledge levels are, what stretch goals I have. And I, as soon as I'm ready, bam, I hit that launch button. And now it's on the Kickstarter website. And I get to start telling all my friends about this cool project I have out there called Grandma's Fig Recipes. Once you hit publish, are you locked in or can you edit things and change things? Uh, you are pretty much locked in. Once so you, you got to get it. You got to get it right before you hit that publish button. It's not like a blog. It, it, it kind of is not. Here, here's a couple of things. One, you don't have to have it right when you ask for um, when you get it authorized. When you go for validation, hey, is this? Do I meet your guidelines? They don't care how perfect it is as long as you just don't violate those two rules. They'll say yes, but you still don't have to launch yet. Then you can take your time, get it perfect, and then you can hit launch. Certain things you can change. You can change your video after you've launched. You can change your pledge levels as long as nobody has pledged at that pledge level. So let's say you've got a pledge level that's out of whack and nobody's backing it. You can delete it or add a new one after the people have started going. But as soon as one person has pledged to it, you're locked in. Mm. And you and can't the, change the – you can't change – can you enhance the offering of that pledge level or is it pretty much it is what it is? 
Well, that's an interesting thing that people have discovered. No, you can't modify it. So what people have started to do is said, pledge level A. Look to the updates for what is in pledge level A. Uh And so they've been able to kind of get around that because pledge level A doesn't change, but what you put into pledge level A can be put into the updates so people look in the more details. Oh, pledge level A can continue to grow or modify based on what you need. A couple of things you can't change. You can't change your uh, dates and you can't change your amounts. That's really what you're locked into. So let's say that I didn't get funded. Obviously, I can give it another shot later, and, and right? I mean, is that... You can give it another shot in five minutes. Okay, let's say I do get funded. Now, what's the next... What's What happens? Like, yay, I met my goal. What, right. what then? Um, then what happens is, is that you now have some responsibilities. First of all, the money goes into an Amazon bank account, and then you can transfer the money from the Amazon bank account into your bank account. So you get the money immediately. Uh, they say like up to a week, but it usually happens within a few hours. Okay. Let's, let's, let's pause for a second. Do you get all the money you raised or is there some portion that's taken out for fees from Kickstarter? Okay. Good point. There are 5% Kickstarter fees and about 5% Amazon fees. So you get all the money minus 10%. Gotcha. So the Amazon fees probably cover the credit card transactions and Uh all that fun stuff. So factor that in. Also what you need to factor in is shipping. So your pledge level at $25, I need to make sure that because you can't ask for shipping later. You can't say, okay, you pledged $25 for the book. You now need to send me $10 to cover shipping. doesn't work that way. You got, and, and I bring this up because that is what bites so many people. Yeah, especially shipping. if it's a smaller project and there's not a lot of margin in there, right? Yeah, right. And that shipping is extremely expensive. You got to factor those type of things in. But now the project is funded. You've got it. You now have a list of all your backers' email accounts. And now you start sending emails out to them to get their addresses and to start to fulfill those pledge levels that you promised. Okay. So the addresses are not provided by Amazon, even though they have to get those for the credit cards. That's correct. You have to go get those yourself. So that's some sort of work. There's some work that's going to have to be done depending on the quantity of funding people you have. Lots of work. And the more funding and the more pledges and the more people, the more work. And it's almost exponential. It get it can get overwhelming. You're seeing some Kickstarter projects delayed a year uh, because they're just trying to get a handle on. They just went so successful and they got so many backers and so many pledge levels that it got out of hand. What um, what What's the typical, I mean, like, is there some sort of an accountability factor here? Like what happens if I signed into a project and I never, ever got what was promised. Interesting. You should ask that question. One of my uh, guests was a, uh, that happened to them. They, they pledged for a cool hands-free iPad stand and the guy raised $35,000 delayed, delayed, delayed. And finally said, you know what? Uh, I overestimated. We're not going to be able to deliver the product. So the 400 backers said, okay, give us our money back. Uh, sorry, there's no money. I spent the money. So, this particular backer happened to be an attorney in Arizona and said, fine, I'm suing you for the $70 to get it back. And the person and a whole bunch of other people jumped on board and the person ended up declaring bankruptcy because they had so mismanaged everything that it became a mess. That is very, very rare. Gotcha. So moral of the story here is that if it's easy to fund with a crowd, it's easier for that crowd to get together and demand. <laughs> it is. But the challenge is, is that you, you're out $25. How much effort are you really willing to put in to go chase down $25? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point. And that's, and that's one of the reasons why it's kind of rare. Okay. So um, let's say someone listening right now is excited and I'm hoping lots of people are kicking around ideas in their heads of special projects 
that they've always wanted to do and dreamed about but didn't have the money and now they think they might be able to pull this off. First thing that comes to my mind is, is it if you build it, they will come or do you have to work your butt off to promote the heck out of these things? Michael, without social media, Kickstarter couldn't succeed or exist. And so many people believe that, oh, if I put it out on Kickstarter, everybody's going to come find it. No, there are 3,000 new Kickstarter projects every month put up on Kickstarter. You're, you're going to be lost. So if you want to successfully launch a project, you need to have that fan base, those, those fans already built into your network. You have to have either the email list or the Twitter followers or the Facebook or LinkedIn or something because they are not going to find you. And I, because of my capacity, I'm fairly high profile in this space. I get every day somebody posts on LinkedIn or Twitter, here's my new Kickstarter project, please fund me. And that's the first I've ever heard of them. <laughs> that's not all unlike the emails I get every day saying, hey, we got a, we got a new social media uh, yeah. app out. Uh, can you write about it? <laughs> yeah. So it's the same, the same thing. It's like, no, look, if you're going to launch a project I, I got some rules of thumb formula. I usually say, look, the average pledge is $35. Uh, that's the average across all these platforms, $35. Take your, your social media network and take 10% of that, multiply it by the average pledge of $25, $35. And that's probably how much money you can raise personally. And I'm so, imagining there's some marketing here too. You have to really uh, work on your messaging, right? So people can immediately, when they go to your Kickstarter page, understand what the heck you're offering, right? It, and that seems so obvious, but I cover a lot of Kickstarter projects and I get so frustrated when I can't figure out what it is. What, what is this thing? Is it a book? Is it a movie? Is it a game? Is it a, what is it? And, and people forget to actually just right up front, you need to be very focused with your message. Do you have a Kickstarter campaign other than Seth Godin, and I, and I strongly recommend people search for Seth Godin Kickstarter because I think he did a great job. He did. Um, but do you have any other uh, Kickstarter uh, campaigns people should look at it, or an episode that you did on your podcast that people should listen to if they want to like have a model to look at? Oh, that's a that's a tough one, partly because it's, it's with, so, all of, with 50 subcategories, each one has its own unique twist. So let me just give you some highlights, some fun ones. Perfect. Uh, Michael Lane was on my show. He funded uh, the research to build an, a space elevator on the moon. Whoa. He, raised, he was asking for $8,000 and he was researching a weather balloon that would go up with a strip on it that he would send a robot to climb the weather balloon like the two, 3,000 uh, meters and then come back down. He raised $120,000 because people thought that was so cool to build a space elevator on the moon. Okay. So there's one example. Um, <laughs> Right now, to go to the extreme, there's two Kickstarter projects running right now. Now, I know our podcast is gonna, this podcast is going to run towards the end of March, so they're probably ended by now. The Death Star and a squadron of X-Wing fighters. Those are two different campaigns? Those are two different campaigns, and we're not talking about models, and we're not talking about a game. Kickstarter is playing along. It's a little tongue-in-cheek, but... Let's fund the Death Star because the U.S. government said no, so let's fund the Death Star. So some guys out of the U.K. are trying to fund the Death Star. And they've raised – now, they're not going to – they've asked for like $11 trillion, which they're not going to get. But it's been kind of fun to watch that. So some guys in China said, okay, we're going to launch some X-Wing fighters to fight off the Death Star. So that's been some fun things that people have done. Huh. It's, de it's deliverable, right? It's got a beginning and an end. But if you want to just go out and do something your own, 
your listeners probably have a widget that they're like, oh, I have this thing I've invented and I want to take it to market. A lot of them probably have books in their head too. Books are a challenge because Kickstarter will be limited. You can't do self-help books. You can't do um, business books. It's got to be really kind of like a memoir thing. It has to be something artsy. And oh, really? Use that term in quotes. Interesting. Yeah. So it has to be something artsy that they have to, that they have to be aware of. Huh. Um, so they're going to have a book. They're going to have a, uh, you, there's a Kickstarter project out there. I think I told you earlier, somebody has put a Kickstarter project to fly me to a university to speak to the MBA program. Mm. Right. That's okay. Um, cover my airfare, that type of thing. There we go. So it, it can be wildly different, but I talk to a lot of people in the technology space who have an idea, a widget, like a case for your iPhone. So you go out there and look in iPhone cases. Those would be some really good ones to take a look at. Seth's was good because his was a book. That's what he was doing. But there's a wide variety. There's one uh, friend of mine. He runs a web comic strip. So he decided, and it's a military science fiction comic strip. He's done it for 11 years. He decided to offer challenge coins, little military coins for units inside the comic strip. So in universe to his fans, he raised Thirty thousand dollars in the first forty-two hours. That's crazy. He's now at eighty thousand dollars. He's still got three weeks to go. And so, what I this is what I would say: rather than sitting around thinking I got this widget, instead sit around and say I have influence on this social group, and this social group would love to have this. It could be a party, a workshop, a conference. Hmm. It could be a book. It could be a widget. It could be a documentary. It could be just about anything. And when I travel and I talk to people and I'm sitting on the plane and they ask me what I do. I don't tell them. I start asking them, do you have anything you're passionate about? And they might be gardening and it might be anything. And then I can usually help them find something that they can fund with crowdfunding through their passion. And that's where you should start. Well, folks, I hope that you can hear Richard's (laughs) passion for this whole crowdfunding and Kickstarter thing. And I hope that there's some ideas mulling around in your head right now. I know there are in mine. (laughs) Um, Richard, if folks want to learn more about you and your podcast, and they want to go deeper into this whole Kickstarter thing, where would you send them? Start with iTunes, Funding the Dream, or Richard Bliss, either one of those. Funding the Dream, okay. Funding the Dream. Google, type in Richard Bliss. I am... nine of the top 10 on Google. If you just type in my name, um, those are places you can find me on Twitter, two Twitter handles. If you want to follow me and you can feel free to reach out. It's Richard bliss on Twitter or game whisperer, uh, because I'm heavily involved in the video and, and board game space on crowdfunding. So game whisperer or Richard bliss, and then funding the dream, reach out, say hi, ask a question. Uh, there's all kinds of places you can go uh, find information about me. Richard Bliss, Kickstarter, extraordinaire, expert, <laughs> genius, future, I'm sure, products inside his head that are going to make news. Thank you so much, uh, Richard, for uh, taking time out of your busy day uh, in today's podcast. Michael, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Well, that whole Kickstarter thing is pretty darn exciting if you ask me. I'm sure that uh, a lot of people listening right now might be thinking, wow, I got to give that a shot. Definitely recommend you check out uh, Richard's podcast, Funding the Dream. I think you're going to find a lot of great ideas there if you decide to go down the road of uh, Kickstarter. Also, uh, a couple things I want to mention to you. If you want to get any of the links that we mentioned in today's episode, visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash 33. If you like the show, you can let us know that you enjoy it by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash love. 
that will pre-populate a tweet into your Twitter stream, letting your friends know that uh, you enjoy the show and helping us uh, get some more people to listen to the show. And this does bring us to the end of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. Again, I am your host, Michael Stelzner. If you enjoy the show, I would also really appreciate it if you head over to iTunes, give us a little review uh, and a rating, and you can do that by visiting socialmediaexaminer.com slash iTunes. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day, and may social media continue to change your world. The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. Hey, just a quick reminder, join the Social Media Marketing Society today and level up your marketing for your company or your clients. Visit smmarketingsociety.com to find out more.